0: uh welcome to another episode we have a guest here who I'm excited to introduce you to um we are recording this right after I um released the episode with Kristen Portney and a big part of our conversation which was so fucking rad it was like every episode I'm like this is my favorite episode (laughs) it was such a good episode um But a really central piece of it was building self-trust. And I had this um, episode with Ashley scheduled today and we had talked about um, having a conversation based on building self-trust and what does unconditional self-trust look like. So I think the timing is beautiful and perfect. I like my guests to introduce themselves to start, so um, why don't you go ahead and tell people who you are, why you're here, and we can just dig in, because that's where the good stuff happens.
1: Yeah, so I'm Ashley. I am a dietitian and a life coach, and I help people build self-trust with themselves and with their body through their relationship with food, Mm -hmm. because I teach intuitive eating, which I very much struggled with emotional eating and binge eating and a lot of things and carried a lot of shame for that, especially being a dietitian yeah. who was struggling with food, the thing I'm supposed to be helping people with and having so many struggles with it, that when I finally found intuitive eating and learned how so much of the mindset and the tips that I was teaching people was actually contributing to how I was interacting with food, with like feeling really guilty overeating at different times and emotional eating, then I started to learn how big of that is the relationship we have with food and the relationship Mm. we have with ourselves and our bodies that is impacting it. So I really focus from that point and love doing that so much.
0: Uh, I love it. I mean, everybody listening, most people listening are here because they've had abortions. Some are listening because they support people with abortions. But we heard so many words just in your intro, shame, guilt, relationship to self, like, you um explore this with clients through eating, and I mm-hmm. explore this with clients through abortion. It's all the same stuff. Mm-hmm. um I also think many of my listeners turn to food to um as ways to to numb and move through their experience um in our coaching world, you know, it's like the word buffer, right? To like, um, sort of get through those harder feelings by distracting ourselves with something else. So I think even though I am in no way, like I'm questioning myself as I talk about, like, I don't think I've ever talked to a client about their food or their eating, <laughs> but I am positive that many, many listeners and probably even my clients are struggling with using food as a way to cope. Mm-hmm. I mean we definitely talk about that, but I I don't introduce intuitive eating concepts. Can mm-hmm. you start by just like defining what does intuitive eating mean? Because I think a lot of people have heard it and are like, well, I don't I don't have an intuition. I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't get that. So just like mm-hmm. define it for a second
1: yeah, so intuitive eating is it's mostly like a self-care framework. It works mm-hmm. like on the idea that you can trust yourself to make decisions around food mm-hmm.
0: because
1: we have so many messages of like avoiding the temptation, keeping food out of the house, of thinking about some food being better than others. And what we start to do, and what I talked to a lot of my clients about is we can start to interpret a lot of that as like, We start saying like, if I've been good lately, it's like, I've been good lately, or I've been bad lately, or I've been lazy lately. And we start making food very moral or exercise very moral, Mm. meaning something very specific about us and whether or not we're basically being good enough and worthy enough. And it Mm. goes back to that relationship with ourselves, based on what we're doing and how we're approaching food. Mm. And the emotional piece can be a big part of it because food is wired for survival because our brain... Like our bodies need it for survival, which is why food is pleasurable for us to eat because our bodies want us to eat to survive. So it Mm -hmm. makes that experience enjoyable. But we can also use food as, like you said, as kind of like a buffer. Which my favorite way to explain it is like experiencing an emotion fully is like having an empty room where if you talk in it, you feel hear an echo because those sound waves just keep bouncing off the walls. But as soon as you fill it with furniture. It absorbs the sound waves and stops the echo. And so, when we're feeling a, a vibration in our body, like anxiety, I feel that in my chest. It's like when you put food in there, it's like filling the room with furniture. Oh my gosh! Buffers. I've never heard this. This
0: is so good.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite way to explain it because I think it's it does stop that movement, that distraction momentarily. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so fun. that's a really fun
0: description. Um. A note I took while you were talking was um, making, uh, okay, I wrote a note. I can't even read it. I like wrote it two seconds ago. Um, Making food a part of our moral identity. And that just feels like, whoa. Whoa. Interesting, <laughs> and it is true how we we jump so quickly to like I'm lazy. I'm like we we just so quickly turn one decision, one choice into who we are. So mm-hmm.
1: yeah, super fascinating. I remember years ago, being by somebody who when my friends had lost weight and someone was like, "Oh, how'd you do it?" and They're like, "Oh, I've just been really good lately." And oh, so it's like, I've been really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we describe it in that way where we really make it mean something about us. Wow. And we wow. do this in multiple areas. Cause mm-hmm. also I always say like how we do one thing is that we do everything. So it's like, we go through those same patterns in other areas. So even around abortion and that we can really make that mean something about ourselves. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, so good. And we're recording in November. So we're moving into this holiday season. I think this will probably come out this calendar year. Um, So many people can relate, right? And moving into the holidays, there are so many thoughts and feelings that we can sort of, um, especially for my audience, Um, but for everyone, there's so many thoughts and feelings that we can kind of like circumstantially avoid other times of the year. But when we're with family, when we're thinking about the what ifs, um, it makes the temptation to eat those feelings. That's probably a bad description, but it's like what people um, have heard before. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, It makes the temptation really high. And I know a lot of my listeners Um, I got on thinking like, we're going to talk about self-trust and unconditional self-trust. I'm like, oh my gosh, so many of my listeners are moving into like wanting to, like needing tools for intuitive eating right now. Um, but holidays are really hard for people who've had abortions, who've had any kind of pregnancy loss. We kind of like, how old would that baby be this, this holiday? And what, how would this be different? Um, so now I feel like specifically intuitive eating is a very important conversation for my listeners. Yeah. Sorry if you can hear my dog. He's starting to bark. No, I actually can't at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> and my dog has remained sleeping in the other room,
1: which is kind of a miracle. But um is such a big thing around the holidays, is yeah. Sometimes we can be faced with those thoughts that were that are easier to distract ourselves from at other times because we can keep ourselves busy or we can go somewhere else where it's not in the forefront of our mind. Yeah. But sometimes being at those events, being around family or like you said, like thinking about how old they would be, there's not as many distractions if you're at an event or at the celebration and it's like well food is here. And yeah. so like that can be yeah. the one way to avoid it if we aren't comfortable going in allowing that space in our bodies for that emotion.
0: Yeah. I think too, I'm thinking about listeners who are either have family who don't support or agree with their choices or, um, or they're afraid will learn and find out about their abortions and food becomes a really easy destructor and like, like, let's talk. Talk about the food. Let's talk about the recipes. Let's talk about how delicious it is. If we fill the conversation around that, maybe they won't find out about my abortion. Maybe they won't bring my abortions up. Maybe um I won't have to expose myself. Like those are kinds of thoughts that that some people are having um mm. this time of year. Yeah.
1: And you can still do those things if you want to do those things. Totally I was just working with a client on how she doesn't really like like ice cream because she's lactose intolerant, but she likes the experience of when her family
0: yeah. goes and like
1: scoops out ice cream together because are they away? They do all these topics and they do they have this experience that's like a bonding time. Yeah. And talking about like, well, you don't have to have the ice cream to be a part of the experience of that bonding time and in that communication. So if it's wanting to talk about food, wanting to like celebrate that, you can still do that while selecting based on how your body feels, whether or not you want to eat it. Because mm. we some, we make the those things the same, like, oh, I have to have the food to be participating in that. But that's not always the case. And sometimes we want the food and that's perfectly fine. But just separating out those experiences that we're really looking for.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So true. All together. (laughs) So true. Um, I love that you brought up decision-making and I was thinking about it again, as you were, as you were just sharing, um, so many of us after abortions find ourselves really struggling to make decisions. And I would imagine that people who struggle with food decisions in general, many of them have, whether it's abortion or not, like some kind of thing where they lost trust in themselves. They lost trust in their decision making ability. So how do you use this intuitive eating to rebuild that trust and be able to make decisions um, that feel less scary again? Mm-hmm.
1: There's multiple contact with that. Of course, there are. (laughs) But I mean, let's okay. Can you
0: go back to like the mom, right? And she's Mm -hmm. deciding, like, am I going to eat the ice cream with my family so that I can be a part of the experience, or am I going to be a part of the experience without eating the ice cream, or am I going to not be a part of the experience at all? Right? So, like, she's making that decision, Mm -hmm. and okay, this is probably likely. Well, I don't, who knows? What do I know? Maybe not the case with your client, but let's pretend that client has lost trust in her decision-making because of abortion. Like, what does she, like, there's a very specific example. Like, what does she do? Like, how how does she handle that situation?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, it goes back to this, like, self-trust and how you're engaging with yourself because it's that... Deciding to have your own back. Yeah. And like, whether it's like a food, like, like my example of like, if she decides to eat the food, it's like, okay, well, now I like to frame it as like playing with the decisions because so often we get stuck in a right or a wrong decision and a right or a wrong choice. And there's no leeway in it versus yeah. deciding like, this is the decision that I made in the moment. So it was the right decision for me and spending our time and energy going back and forth on, well, maybe it was the wrong choice. Maybe I wait like that regret. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't is just what we're doing and not having our own back. Yeah. Because so just have our, Oh, go ahead. <laughs> like Because when we have our own back in it mm-hmm. is Like the opposite of that is like arguing with the reality of like the decision that we made and it's just prolonging our own suffering in a sense because of the thoughts that we're thinking and how we're approaching it is just adding more to that. So if it is rebuilding that self-trust, it's going back to that bottom layer of why it even got interrupted. And then from there of the willingness to play around with those choices because in the ice cream example, it's like, she could mm-hmm. have it and then decide afterwards. and be like, Oh, well now I know how having that is affecting my body. And now I can use this information for next time. So maybe I only want a little bit, maybe I'll just give myself a smaller amount rather than a bigger amount. Maybe I won't have it at all. Maybe I'll see what that experience is like. So it's that yeah. willing to play around with it.
0: I love that playing around with the decisions and choices. And so, you know, my audience, some of them, some of them are like, oh my gosh, I can see how this all applies directly to my abortion experience. And then others are like feeling a little more um, defensive, walled off, resistant, and are like, yeah, but I can't play around with an abortion decision. That's Mm -hmm. yes or no, that's black or white. And so I just want to acknowledge that we see you, we hear you, this is a way you can rebuild no you cannot play around with an abortion decision it's it's all or nothing in many ways Mm um but this is a way you rebuild general self-trust so that Mm -hmm. should you face another i'm air quoting big decision like abortion one that isn't playing around (laughs) you have that self-trust. It's like, um, I, cause I just love the way you're describing playing with the decision. And it's kind of one of the ways I was hearing it as you were talking about the ice cream situation is just reflecting back and, and maybe saying I decided to eat the ice cream because it felt fun and easy at the time. Not because I have no self-control, mm-hmm. not because I'm an idiot, not because. Um, I'm never going to figure this out. Like, that's it. I decided to eat the ice cream because it felt fun and easy at the time. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And your process of just having your own part of having your own background, that decision is just reflecting on like, wait, I didn't do that because I have no self-control. I did Mm -hmm. it because it felt fun and easy at the time. And like, I can be tender with that part of me who wanted it to be fun and easy in that moment. Um, having your own back is like so big and important in Mm -hmm. in the
1: work that my clients are facing. So Mm -hmm. I love that you're using that language. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because like food is a constant decision that we're making versus with abortion, it's not, and it can be a lot more black or white with it, of all or nothing with it, and it's just how that comes into like the having your own back. And yes, we can use these other types of decisions to like build that self-trust, but it's how we talk to ourselves afterwards because I know a lot of my clients like would communicate with themselves and think about themselves in that way of like, I can't believe I ate that I had no self-control like what is wrong with me? Why can't I like all of those thoughts that are just kind of beating ourselves up afterwards because in future decisions, Part of the fear of making the decision is how you'll talk to yourself afterwards. Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. And um, again, there was a certain portion of my audience who are like, oh my gosh, I get it. This is like, this makes so much sense <laughs> because they're, they're already trans, like they've either listened to the podcast enough or it just makes sense to them. They're already thinking to themselves, oh, I decided to have an abortion because I was scared. And um, I was scared and couldn't see any other choices, not because I'm a bad person, not because I'm a bad mom. And this is the way that, like, yes, I mean, (laughs) from both of our training, because we are both trained with the Life Coach School, like, food is a circumstance. Abortion is a circumstance. Like, it, it, it feels like they're two really different things we're talking about, but they're actually not it's like one is not bigger than the other it's all about what it's teaching you about who you are and how how you um use information and thoughts in your brain Mm -hmm. um and food is an amazing way to practice it's an amazing way to learn what it feels like to not beat yourself up like maybe you're not ready to not beat yourself up about your abortion But you can practice by not beating yourself up about the ice cream. And like until that feels easy, you might Mm -hmm. not be able to transfer it to your abortions. Mm -hmm. But you're never going to even get close if you don't start with something small, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. something less life or death. So, yeah, really good stuff. Um, I love where this conversation has gone. Anything else coming up for you that feels like a place to go or needs to be talked about?
1: So one of the places I was thinking before hopping on this podcast was that place of building the unconditional love for ourselves Mm. and trust because I know on my own journey with healing my relationship (laughs) with my body and my body image, I started to notice how conditional we are taught for that relationship with ourselves. So I remember at first associating like how I viewed my body, my body image was very much based on like appearance. Cause like, that's all like the comparisons to the magazines and body positivity movement of like accepting all body, loving your body, like no matter where it's at. And there are good pieces to that. And then I went into body neutrality, which is like appreciating what your body is able to do for you. Mm-hmm. But I've worked with people who were like, runners running like 10ks and now because of life they're not doing that anymore and if they go for a walk they feel inadequate because they wrapped up our identity in these conditional things because how we look can change how what what we're physically able to do can change because i remember with body neutrality and starting to grow that relationship based on like physically what my body could do for me i was like well this is around the time when i got I, i got rear-ended my car was totaled and I was like you know I could have gotten injured in that and had like thankfully I didn't but it's like I could have gotten injured, injury my what I'm able to do could change and I don't like I'm tired of having this conditional relationship with myself when I'm basing it on mm. things outside of me mm. versus just deciding we all deserve to love ourselves no yeah. matter what yeah and because I mean I know we were talking at the start of this like how just before this like My dog had an accident in the house and I had to clean up the floor. It's like, I'm a little bit annoyed with him, but I still love him. But we go to a place of like, I've gained weight. Now I'm not like so much of it. We make something mean that we're not worthy as a person anymore. Yeah. Versus truly committing to just unconditionally loving ourselves. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm. It's. Sometimes it feels annoying to like always come back here because it's like trendy just love yourself but it's like we come back here because it's so important like it is vital to be able to have compassion for yourself to be able to work with yourself not against yourself um my morning i woke up i I actually, um, uh, Ashley was a little late cleaning up after the dog, and I was like, How am I going to use this time? So I recorded a YouTube video um, because I woke up this morning feeling completely unworthy. I was like, I'm a total failure. Nothing is working. I suck. I should just give up. And like, I had to slow down. (laughs) And find some compassion and work with myself instead of against myself. Um, It is self-love doesn't always mean like, I believe I'm amazing a hundred percent of the time and put myself in some hierarchical place. It means I'm here for me. I know how to have compassion for me. I am curious about me like, I want to figure this out because I matter. Um, and I think when we see like the trendy version of self-love or like the Instagram meme version of self-love, it can feel so impossible, but it's it's really
1: not. It's really not. It's a practice. Yeah. Which is why I mentioned the dog thing, because it's like, I feel annoyed with him a little bit. I'm like, why didn't yeah. you come get me and tell me that you had to go? Right. And, but like, I still love him. So it's like, it's not always that it feels amazing, but I can yeah. choose like the base and the foundation to be love. Yeah, And with that, I think sometimes we think like, well, self-love, like it can seem when I was started this journey, like, well, that's not useful. Like if I just loved myself and accept myself as I am, then I'm not going to feel as motivated. And I found the very opposite of that to be true because- mm-hmm. I was spending so much time trying to like motivate myself with the shame and feeling guilty and trying to remind myself of the things that I didn't like as a way to motivate change in them. And so I would spend time reminding myself the parts of my body I didn't like because I thought that would motivate me to eat healthy and work (laughs) out more. And all that ended up making me do is like it would give me short bursts of motivation but then I would feel so bad from being in that shame all the time and associating exercise with shame. And it's like associating so much of it with shame and punishment and like trying to motivate myself to be better that I just stopped. I started to avoid it. And then I would just continue cycling and cycling through this versus approaching it from that place of compassion with yourself. There's so much more motivation and less resistance and just like, I'm doing this for me. And it doesn't always feel good still, but it's like, that's like the base motivation and which is such more of a long-term motivation
0: yeah I agree and really like you cleaning up a pile of actual shit this morning (laughs) is no different than me cleaning up the shit in my mind this morning Mm -hmm. it's just a pile of shit (laughs) (laughs) some of it looks like words and some of it looks like you know dog feces but that the point is like, um, it's all the same stuff. And just like you said, I still love my dog. Like I could have taken that moment to be like, that's it. I'm done with myself. (laughs) But (laughs) instead I was like, Oh, I actually do care about you, Amanda. Let's just clean this up. That's all. We're just going to clean this up and we're going to you know hope to not shit on ourselves in the morning (laughs) tomorrow morning um so it's it is it is kind of hilarious how you can have a conversation about anything on a podcast and it becomes valuable
1: (laughs) yeah because that's such a big thing of like what do I make it mean yeah because whether that is like the mental drama or whether that's the actual pile of shit (laughs) with it yeah it's you start making it mean something afterwards yeah yeah and so if my brain offers me a thought like my body not being good enough or that I'm a failure that something isn't working like I can then make that mean like I can make that a problem by being like oh no this is coming up again I guess I haven't actually worked through this like oh no or I can just be like oh this is just a habit thought like my brain just likes to offer me this and I don't have to make it mean something because these are what I'm choosing to believe about myself instead
0: yeah, yeah. And then we
1: can start slowly making that transition from wherever we are to like where we want to go and become more accepting of mm-hmm. where we are. Yeah. I've never, um, played with this
0: question before. Um, but I have, um, and I'm guessing you've had this experience too, where I've explored like, well, what are you making it mean with a person or a client? And like, they just stare at me blank because it's like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, that doesn't, I don't know what I'm making it mean. Um, So that can be a very like kind of uh, heady in the work question. And the one that just popped up in my head that could also be useful is like, what am I jumping to? Like
1: mm-hmm.
0: that maybe is like a little less coachy talk. Um, And I've never played with that question. So now I'm going to play with it with myself first and and also with my clients. Like, what am I jumping to? Um, Because sometimes what you're making it mean is old, like, somatic responses, reflexes that have nothing to do with your life now. um, And they're just your body responding the same way it responded when it was seven to whatever. And you can't even like intellectually identify what you're making it mean because it's just like some habit that you've built over the years to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So all of this is just like very nuanced and we can have moments where we make it sound easy to coaches talking about it. But it it takes um, just being really curious and looking at it a million different ways and Sometimes it's what you're feeling in your body. Sometimes it's what you're thinking in your head. Sometimes it's easy to see what you're making it mean. Sometimes it's impossible. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And I think jumping to is a great way. Yeah. Because I don't necessarily ask people like, oh, what are you making it mean? Because, But we can see what you're making it mean based on the other thoughts you're having around the same time. Mm -hmm. So when you have that, like, like sometimes we'll have things come up where somebody will, you know, have another like time where they're emotionally eating when they haven't had one for a while. And then it's yeah. like, oh, this isn't working. Like, I guess the process isn't going to work for me. Something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Like it's just those other like cascade of other thoughts that we can kind of spin on. Mm-hmm is like where we can see what we're making it mean. But I don't, yeah,
0: I don't usually jump. Yeah, it, it goes back to like the ice cream conversation, right? So I decided to eat ice cream because it felt fun and easy. Um, And then I jumped to, I have no self-control. And if you look at like maybe Byron Katie's work or I'm sure it's a lot of people's work, but like I decided to eat ice cream because it felt fun and easy versus jumping to, I have no self-control. And when we jump to something like I have no self-control, sometimes we can soften it by asking those sort of Byron Katie questions. Like, is that true? Do I, like, I have self-control when I'm driving. I don't move into the other lane, (laughs) you know? Like, is it true is sometimes a way to like soften the thing that you're jumping to,
1: if -hmm. that made sense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and which is why with eating I like to pull it back to decisions because Mm. it's really easy to feel especially with food I don't know if you see this with your clients as well but the whole control and out of control feeling and thinking that having like the rules around food like having certain foods on limits off limits or certain amounts that you can or can't eat and then going outside of that it's like oh I just have no self-control but if we're always being like I'm deciding to have this food yeah. and it's like we don't jump to it's like oh I just made the decision to have this and now yeah. I know yeah what yeah this is doing for me so we can always bring it back to that place too of like, this and it's also experience. like this is what was true for me in that moment mm-hmm. of what I and what was
0: two words I love are right now so it's like this is what I'm deciding right now it doesn't mean I'm gonna eat a gigantic bowl of ice cream with my family every week like but this is what I'm deciding right now. And like, I find that those words right now kind of isolate the decision versus like, I am a person who cannot resist ice cream, right? Like, it's like, no, right now in this one decision, this is what I'm choosing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. good stuff. Well, this has been really fun. Um, Does it feel like a good time to wrap up or are we missing anything? We could probably wrap up. Yeah. It's fun. I'm happy with <laughs> where I went. We went in so many places. It's great. <laughs> um, thank you for being here. Where can people find you?
1: So they can find me on Instagram at food peace nutrition. Mm-hmm. Or I have my own podcast called Better Than nice. Healthy. Awesome. Good. That's so good. Better than healthy. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes.
0: That's awesome. Um, Great. I will link to everything in the show notes and um, I'm glad we figured this out um, to get recorded today and um, we'll be in touch. Thanks for having me. Great. Bye. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing